tastes of London. My name is Matthew Kroll. And the beaver are endless here. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film First Cow. Pure as the driven snow. That's not the thing. I was just singing bright light. Don't worry about it. First Cow. It's First Cow. Right. First the first cow. one. It is the first cow. So what do you... In, in the Garden of Eden, when the first cow came along... Yep. And it made its first sound. Yep. Do you think Adam? Do you think Adam and Eve were freaked out? I mean, yeah, because a cow sounds like. <laughs> and that, but do you think they were like maybe they thought they were speaking in their language well, and they so were like moo? Listen, there's a great moment in the in the in the quintessential pre- cinematic film, Masters of the Universe, <laughs> where Gwildor is trying, trying to, to learn the, the language of the, the cow. cow. Yeah. So yes, I do think in the biblical story it went exactly like that scene went between Gwildor and the cow with Adam and Eve and a cow. These people are barbarians. They eat uh, they eat these meat. <laughs> yeah, well, I wonder why they put the food on these little <laughs> white little sticks. sticks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Masters of the Universe. Please check out our uh, what is that episode? We uh, did? Desert Island movies. Was that like episode fifty? Sure, hundred. I don't know. I don't know what it was. This is, ep- this is ep- 261, I think. I always, you know what's funny? Yeah. I found I keep being like, oh, this is episode flabba dabba dabba dab, and yeah. it's not the right number. <laughs> like, so I think this is 261. We didn't celebrate 250. Yeah. Yeah. We'll celebrate yeah. 300. We'll celebrate 300. Uh, We're doing 300. Oh, my God. Such a perfect time. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie in forever. I haven't I watched that movie since it. I, oh, I just, oh I just, shit. I take that back. I have a great story. I'm not going to tell it, but save it for 300. Okay. All right. Uh, everyone listening in right now, we know that this is a particularly interesting time in the world. Uh, there is a, uh, a certain virus going around who is, uh, by the way, a, a, as of t- taping this episode, uh, this virus, uh, COVID 19, has claimed. One Tom Hanks. I know. <laughs> I, I like, know. So <laughs> I was doing the What a Delight with Chelsea White show. Please, uh, at the Chelsea White on Instagram. You can watch it at a live uh, a talk show she does in her living room every night, uh, Wednesdays at 9 p.m., just on Instagram Live. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, we, we we were doing a Friday the 13th segment. The, the, then all of a sudden the power went out, which was great. Oh, really? And then it was, was a light switch was hit. And then <laughs> uh, when we, as we were getting the show back up and running, uh, we broke a lot of different stories. We found out Tom and his wife are, <laughs> are have COVID and are in Australia, I believe. Wow. Uh, and then uh, we also found out the NBA canceled the rest of their season. Yeah. And then we found out about the travel ban. Yeah. So we got a lot of information on a living room talk show. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, if uh, uh, if this coronavirus takes Tom Hanks, you know America's going to war. I like mean, with, with, with who? It I, I, doesn't matter. We will fire blindly into the sky. That'll like, do it. I think, I think the entire planet will like go to war with coronavirus. <laughs> will t- that be the moment like the Bill and Ted's excellent adventure <laughs> sure. moment that like causes a singularity like um <laughs> you know God gave rock and roll to us moment that brings all of humanity together. It'll bring together. all of humanity together okay. if uh if Mr. Hanks goes. Uh we we wish you well Mr. Hanks. <laughs> um, yeah, seriously, you uh, and your you and your wife. Uh and uh so I'm uh I, we're, we're very aware that this is a uh, a little bit of a trying time right now. It's a very uh, uncertain time. The I would call it uncertain more than tr- well I mean it's getting to be trying. It was uncertain tr- and now it's trying. Um shout out to any of our listeners in Italy or China. Um, yeah. we uh look, I there's not Here's the thing. There's not a lot we, you and I can do, but we I think what we can do is we'll try to keep our show on the air as long as possible. Like sure. it's not a there's no uh, point at which this seems like it's not going to be happening every week, so we will deliver an episode to your ear holes once a week. As long as we are not deathly ill. Yeah. Um, and also, um, uh, we were thinking about, and we haven't decided what yet, but probably doing a lot more streaming movies so that everyone at home yeah. can talk along with us and, and chat with us about it on you know across the various you know onlymoviepodcast, gmail.com and uh, onlymoviepod mm-hmm. on Twitter, um, that, that we can sort of have more conversations, and then you don't have to... You go, you go to the yeah. movies. We, we're aware right now there are certain... Uh, um, mitigation uh, plans that are being presented by the CDC uh, in America, the Center for Disease Control. So please, we advise you to look at those. I, you know, from my point of view, I think the, the basic ones are wash your hands as often as possible, uh, avoid large gatherings, wipe and clean your surfaces, uh, avoid touching your face. No food after midnight. No food after midnight. Uh, yeah, exactly. What uh, the other direct one? sunlight's bad. Uh, no water. Well, no water. So yeah, that's hard to wash your gar- hands. Avoid garlic. Oh, now yeah. we're mixing all sorts of things. Uh, silver bullets are yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any bullets. 
bullets are bad. For I mean, your bullets health. are bad unless you're firing them in the sky for for, for one Tom to fight Hanks. off the coronavirus <laughs> in the sky from Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah. uh, Look, there's not a lot we can offer other than we will try to p- keep the show on, and and we are no in no way martyrs for doing so. We just like doing the show. We hope that if you're listening and you are, uh, uh, you know, if, if if what you are going through right now is trying or challenging and it is it is unsettling, we hope that we offer some cold comfort in that period. We like doing the show and we like that that you reach out to us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. We only offer the coldest comfort. We only offer the coldest <laughs> Do bitter, not expect. bittersweet comfort. As we talk about depressing dark movies. I thought this movie wasn't that depressing. We'll get to that. Oops. I want to talk a little bit about Contagion. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the Steven Soderbergh 2012 vehicle, which we debated last week about whether we should do or not. We decided, I think kind of rightly, not to do, but I was curious to revisit it. Uh, a podcast I listened to, The Rewatchables, did revisit it as well. Talked about how prescient it was right now. Yeah. And I, I absolutely right. Uh, again, for your mental health sake, maybe don't watch it if you are prone to um, feeling unsettled by what's going on in the world. I found it really interesting to watch in, in terms of like 2012 and what it had to say about the way in which a virus would create uh, political and economic uncertainty. Mm-hmm. You know, like the movie is very, very good at setting up the conditions around. What uh, is the virus's? I can't remember the virus. Like, what does it do to you? In it the is li- it's like an accelerated flu in that movie. So it's like two days and then you're kind of done. Oh, okay. So um, it's like a real bad 1918 situation. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Th- unlike uh, COVID, which is not as, uh, you know, it has a mortality rate of, I think, 3% or something yeah. like that. This The the fictional virus that is in Contagion is much more severe. Yeah. Um, but but there was one, there's two things that I want to say. Is that It's a very sharp, sharp film. And it's, it's one of those films that like, um, you sort of forgot existed because it was like it, I remember it was the first movie I saw at the Nighthawk Cinema in Williamsburg, and you know how the Nighthawk has a um, they do movie food tie-ins, you know, oh, like, yeah, like yeah, 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 you know, like they'll yeah, yeah. they'll make a certain food for the movie. That's making. always fun. And the first and what they made for this was a chicken soup, and it was gross. And not Aww. not that the Nighthawk made it gross. It was just like it's a movie where you don't want to eat things, you know, as you're watching it. And I remember not enjoying that experience because the movie makes you uncomfortable. Like it does this really great thing about like uh, it's very smart about what it's looking at like it, you know like someone will be holding a subway pole and, and and as they walk away the camera will linger on the subway pole for a long period of time kind of thing but there is what the point of hope that I wanted to get to is the very very end of the film when you know like uh, spoilers for contagion but the the, vir- <coughs> the virus uh, is resolved and, and and antivirus is put in place you know uh, and Lawrence Fishburne has a moment where he explains what a handshake means and he says, you know, like in traditional, you know, he has to shake somebody's hand. And, uh, you know, the entire movie, there's been no touching, you know, yeah. like much like what we're living through right now. And I remember when I saw that in 2012, I thought it was a little bit of a cheesy sequence because Lawrence Fishburne says, you know, Fishburne says something along the lines of uh, a handshake signals to your enemy, signals to people that I'm not your enemy. Yeah. Um, and it was this sort of like, you know, it's like a, hey, and now we're touching hands again. Um but wa- watching it now, I actually found it really hopeful and beautiful. Like it's this idea that the thing that makes human beings human is the thing that we have to kind of avoid right now, which is being in close contact with other human beings. Mm. And and what's beautiful about what this film is saying is that is that is essentially our humanity. And I think what I the the message the the sort of hopeful part that I got out of watching the movie is the sense that what we need to do is maintain the spirit of the handshake even though we can't shake hands right now the spirit of the handshake should we we should try to maintain that whatever that is in whatever language you speak whatever um you know a way you communicate hello sure. to anybody um the spirit of the handshake is let's look after each other you know i am not i am not your enemy i am a friend and and i think that is a you know like in the movie that is like uh, this time around that was a beautiful sentiment to me yeah. uh, again you know 2012 i didn't understand what it meant to live without touching people's hands and yeah. things like that but you know like i thought about that a lot as i was watching it i think it's really smartly placed and i think you know again this if anything what we want to do with this podcast is extend a handshake virtually to you to say we hope you're okay very well put. Yeah. I have. I yeah. That that's that's exactly correct. And uh, it is weird. I, I and the different the different uh, <laughs> the different ways people are greeting now. There's the fist bump. There's the elbow hit. There's the. I I like the foot. The I like the foot. Yeah, I like. But the foot. I like. And we did it correctly. And I was glad you and I were on the same page. Uh, we tapped like like inside of our opposite heel. Yeah. 
And but like other people, are like, wait, do I use the same? I'm like, no, don't do toes. What are you monsters? Yeah. Like at least make it intimate. Have a little bit of a leg wrap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I see. I'm fond of the dap. I'm fond of the dap. You know, that's like me, my personal thing. It's like it's a yeah. You know, like a good dap is like a is is a beautiful thing in my in my mind. When it times out correctly and the yeah, pace of it is right. Yeah, but I always think like it's just there's this beautiful thing that happens where because it's not the typical handshake, but it's like a thing that you extend to people. You know what I like about if it? If you I, know, you know. And this is interesting, and I, this is going to be very riveting for every audio listener. But what I like about the dap is the wind up to the dap. Yeah. The wind because you have yeah. a long arc of your hand like coming from the back. It's almost like a wave, and it yeah. comes down. That's what I like. And in uh, in Maori, so for example, again, keeping the spirit of the handshake in Maori culture, we have a thing called a hongi, and the hongi is when you touch noses. Uh, so it's two people will come together, they'll hold hands generally, and they'll bring their noses together. And the idea is that you're exchanging each other's ear. Now, obviously, right yeah, now, don't we, do we, that we, now. We, we wouldn't recommend it, but it is a beautiful uh, it is a beautiful exchange. Is this idea that we are one uh, and we share the same earth? There you go. And and so again. Keep the spirit of the handshake alive. Well, if you'd like to send us virtual handshakes, you can do it at OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at OnlyMoviePod. I've got two tweets or two things to refer to in tweets that uh, I think were interesting. Last week, you asked the question about movie titles where the movie where the title is part of the experience of the movie. I did. And Laura tweeted us in. Hi, Laura. Have you seen me... Earl and the Dying Girl. I have not. I have not seen that, but, but that what is, is your expectation but of that, that movie? Yeah. What is that your expect- is 100%. <laughs> yo, th- right. I think that's correct. And Now, this is my question, though, yeah. because there's a lot of movies like Volcano. Like, yeah. I get it, yeah. but that's not that's not Volcano case, like, is, you know. It's not a Dante's Peak. But yeah, but but, but uh, what was the other volcano movie. I think was it was Dante's... just called Volcano and Dante's Peak. Oh yeah. Which but my point Pierce is, Brosnan? so uh, Me, Earl and the Dying Girl. Yeah. I understand the premise, but. Does the movie play with my expectations versus the character expectations? Have you seen it? I have seen it. Okay, so would you say that fits the criteria? It, I can't speak to it. Yeah, I, yeah it, it it certainly does uh, in that you will eventually at some point meet a person named Earl and you will meet a person who is dying uh, and who is a girl. Um, but there's also, I think there's a really cool meta quality to that film where uh, me, I forget the character's name, is a filmmaker, and he and Earl make these sort of like movie parodies, um, and and you know they they basically change the titles of movies. I think they do one called Senior Citizen Kane, um, you know, like and they make these sort of fun riffs on it. So me, Earl, and the Dying Girl feels like the title of a movie that they would have made. Um, but okay, so it works on a meta level. My, my I guess my last question on this, and I'm, I I hope this is I, again I haven't seen it, so I want to I want to make sure. Yeah. Want to do my due diligence. Yeah. Um. With the Invisible Man, which is how this this <laughs> discussion came up, the the reason that there is tension mm-hmm. is because it's called the Invisible Man. There is tension about that title. You um, don't know who's going to be the dying girl. Uh, I, 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 re- I really don't. I don't want to spoil okay. it. Okay, so uh, that's a good. That's the closest one that I've heard. Okay. Um, then the other thing I wanted to mention was I I saw this on you, your Laura, Instagram. Uh, that someone mentioned. I, I I was struggling to remember the name of a. We, we, oh, we, we were having a conversation that's about Ricky. Like, uh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, a, a movie that we would that that would be too far a step too far in terms of what we we're willing to watch. Shout out to Ricky Woo. And Ricky Woo came through. Let me see what it did. Wow. There. And uh, and uh, reminded me that the name of the film is a Serbian film, uh, which is a film set in Serbia. Um, and uh, it's a film that I just have read. Uh, so many horrific things about in terms of the content of the movie mm-hmm. that I I just felt like I didn't need it. I'm interested. I I would I would if it popped up in front of me I would see it. Uh, but I kind of felt like the the tenor <laughs> of it would was not for me. That's it. I own a copy I, of Salo, the Pazzaloni film, which is one of the most horrific things I've ever seen. I like the terminology used. If it just popped up in front of you, you watch it. So here's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> when when we all have to go on yeah. lockdown, yeah, I'm gonna put on my hazmat suit <laughs> and I'm gonna walk across the street and I'm gonna slide my iPad just playing it under your door. You know what you should do that would be even better. Is that you should climb up to my balcony? Oh, that's too much work. And I have to get should, the Spider-Man suit <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, do the do the whole thing, and you should get your projector <laughs> and shine it through the window <laughs> so that I can't. So it just covers the house, and I cannot get away from it. Because <laughs> the iPad, I can just look away. But imagine, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can't do it. <laughs> I wish my projector was powerful enough that I could project from my window to your window. I I I did have a projector for a little while that we borrowed for a show. And I tried. There's a billboard across the street from both of us yeah. that I actually I tried to shine something onto just to see if it would go that far, and it kind of did. It was pretty. Yeah. Um, uh, a 
Serbian film is definitely not a film I recommend. Uh, one film that did get recommended to me uh, by Jonathan Blade, and I'm very happy that it did, was Nightingale, the John, uh, the uh, Jennifer Kent movie. Uh, I was really, um, uh, uh, the Blade has been recommending this movie all the time on Twitter, and I finally sat down to watch it, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. Uh, it is equally a horrific, uh, pretty awful things happen in this movie, but it's also a pretty amazing film, and I'm really glad that... Um, uh, that the blade did that, and uh, and I'm very I'm I right now to be really honest with you, it's one of the best movies I've seen this year, uh, without a doubt. You, oh, nice. Uh, I do want to shout out one more thing about Ricky Wu. Uh, he, his Instagram is Nerdy Egg Roll. Okay. Uh, and what he's been doing lately, this is a weird tangent, and I'm sorry, but if you need a little bit of joy in your life, yeah. Uh, he's been taking classic action figures okay. and taking really nice photos of them in like actionable poses. Yeah. And they've been getting fucking good. Okay. Like, and he has cool backgrounds, and he does series, like he did an X-Men series. Uh, I've just been very much enjoying them. Uh, they're just cool. Like, it's like doing a fun thing with action figures that, like, I haven't seen done before. What's, uh, what is his Instagram again? Nerdy Egg Roll. Nerdy Egg Roll. I'm going to look up some of those while we're talking. They're and very fun. Uh, and now... He doesn't have any cow action figures, though. He doesn't have any cow There might be a Ninja Turtle figure that was a cow. I got to be surprised. I, I got to be honest with you. I'm surprised we got to do First Cow. Oh, me too. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Shout out to all of you. Shout out to everybody on the internet. That voted, it was around a 60-40 split. Yeah, 60-40 split, but it was like a, it was a solid, what was odd was the comments were like, what is First Cow? But the voting was like, yeah, do First Cow. I mean, <laughs> maybe those are the people that voted for Onward. Can I say something about Onward? And Nick <laughs> Parker, shout out to Nick Parker, yeah. uh, friend of the show, he actually said something tonight that really struck me. I, I was wondering why I just wasn't pumped to go see Onward. Okay. Um, Because everything in it's kind of up my alley. Fantasy stuff, kind of D&D world, but also like farcical and parody. I love all those things. Pixar. Pixar. Yeah. Um, is it Pixar Disney? It is Pixar. Yeah. Uh, it's Pixar as owned by as Disney. As owned by Disney. Yeah. Okay. So nothing in the design of the film nor the story beats I have seen from the trailer strike any moment of, ooh, I'm curious to see that. Mm-hmm. I hear it's not bad. I, I I bet you it's not bad. Right. But like, I'm not. A, I, I liked Frozen One. We've talked about Frozen yeah. before. When Frozen Two came out and I watched the trailer, I was like, "Fuck yeah, I'm seeing that movie." Yeah. Like, and this That's, those aren't Pixar films. Either. I know. I'm just yeah. using the last yeah, animated yeah. one we yeah. did. Um. So like, here's the thing. Um, I'm just curious. Like the art know, direction didn't grab me. I don't know what it is. You know, you know what it is for me. Uh, I think the height of what Pixar can do is the uh, Pete Doctor's film Inside Out. And uh, nothing about Onward struck me as kind of like doing something like that. And so I was, I'm just, I, you know, like I was out of my will. I would happily go see that movie. I'll happily see that movie. I will too. I, it, just, it was one of those things where like when First Cow won, yeah. normally my, my general reaction is big popular movie versus small independent <laughs> film. And I was like, big popular movie. Of course. That's, I, was, I was shocked that First Cow won. No, but I'm saying just me personally. Yeah. That's my brand of cinema oh, normally. Right. Well, you, 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 su you uh, suggested Onward. I know, well, I was like, should we do onward? Like, yeah, I don't yeah. even though I didn't want to, but like, yeah. you know, I figured I was chasing those numbers, listeners. I was just chasing, yeah. just chasing numbers. So we got to spread this first cow around as much as we can. We got to move, move it, it to other people's ear holes. Oh, Please God, tell them about this cow movie and this cow this. podcast and all of these um, uh, dairy-based. <laughs> Stuff, yeah, no, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to read you what IMDb uh, describes first cow as. A skilled cook travels west and joins a group of fur trappers in Oregon, though he only finds true connection with a Chinese immigrant also seeking his fortune. Soon, the two collaborate on a successful business. Uh, mm, successful? Question mark. So um, here's a, here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, well, it was successful. Well, we'll get to it. Yeah. Um, nowhere in there does it say the time period this film takes place in. I mean, if you're saying fur trap is in Oregon, I'm you could be a, you could still be a present day fur trapper. In terms of the title referring to the film itself, the first cow. Might Look, be kind I'm of saying a clue. all of it. I'm just saying <laughs> they didn't want to say like in in the gold rush of the Oregon or like whatever. Like you could you could you could put it in there. And and oddly, the first shot of the movie might confuse you in that case if you kind of come to the expectation that it was going to be a movie about uh -huh. you know, in previous times. Now this is a uh, a Kelly Reichard film. I. Uh, I have to admit, I've seen. I watched the. I watched her first movie today, uh, Rivers of Grass, and I've seen Meek's Cut Off. I haven't seen like um, Certain Woman, which I think is the other big one, and Wendy and Lucy, uh, and Old Joy. Um, uh, so she's a filmmaker that I. 
I really admire. Like, I really like her work. I like her singular vision. I like that her movies are intimate portrayals of small, small conflicts. Um, I've never, like, really thoroughly you know like i you know that, that that sort of conversation we have about movies as medicine i've always i've always tipped slightly more on kelly reichardt you know films being more medicinal than than my pure you know like that i'm excited to see them uh, i do think they're they're excellent like i did think uh, meek's cutoff was was really superb and and the thing is though they're movies that uh, in in you know in in the three that i've seen they're movies that you need to sit with outside of the theater. Sure. They move, I, I read a great quote. Um, I think it was Paul Schrader uh, said this, and he's a problematic artist unto himself, but he said, the best movies are the ones that start when you leave the theater. And, and I think, you know, that, that is, I, I love that sentiment, and I think that's really true of Kelly Reichardt's work, is that it feels very much like the more you sit with it outside of the movie theater, right. the, the richer the experience actually is. Um, so I was, uh, but I just love the premise of this film. I just like, I just liked the idea. Like the title for me was kind of a selling point. Plus I knew the filmmaker. Did you watch the trailer I after? Uh, afterwards, I'm, I think I did. So the trailer. But I watched it immediately afterwards. The, so oh. I, I was kind of like, I, I wasn't really watching this. The trailer. trailer kind of paints it like as a joyous film. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I, and, and there's joy in the film. Yeah. But, but I thought it was going to be a much happier tone throughout than it was going in based on the trailer which actually i think worked in the ex- in in a nice subverting, like, your subverting my expectations it it felt a little like shining like the shining trailer recut like that would not that crazy right, right, right. but oh no. man i still have i just remembered i have dr sleep on blu-ray i'm pumped i gotta rewatch that the three-hour cut i hear is very good but um i uh the movie is pleasant it's quite lovely. Yeah. Like like there are moments of it that are like pretty much the entire the the entire upward tra- trajectory of uh the of, uh, of the business is quite lovely of yeah. uh, Figwitz and King Lou. And and there is like I'll just say this out I have not seen any films with Orion Lee before. He's been around for a little bit. Um I think the most uh, the biggest thing he's been in uh probably is Star Wars the Last Jedi. Um and he's been in Skyfall as well. His voice is so soothing to me. Like the way he speaks was just so wonderful to listen to. Yeah. Uh, like every time he spoke, I was just like, "Ooh, I like." I, I just like there was just a calming quality to the way he spoke. How how well thought he was um, throughout the film. I, I just I kind of loved you know any scene with him uh, w- w- where where he was speaking. Yeah. Um, and it was like the, the the music and everything. I just thought it was kind of delightful. It was. This is a slow paced movie it is very slow and i wasn't mad at it right um and it's, it's funny you, it, and instead, you know, of, instead of the word slow i would say gentle it's a very gentle movie i mean if you want to say flowery for slow yeah that works I mean, it's fine what's wrong with that I, I don't think there's anything wrong with calling it slow it, the pacing of every shot and the and the movement of things and the slow and the story and etc uh move by at a slow pace i the only thing and this is a semantic thing yeah but, let's but, do uh, it but i just like slow means to me like it's langu- like it's taking too much time. I'm literally Whereas, I don't think it's taking too much time. It's just gently paced. I don't think slow means taking too much time. I think it is it, that's 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 your own biases on oh. the speed of things. Okay. Um slow. Listen, there's a lot there's a lot of stuff you can do slow that's great. Yeah. Um so I'm I I we're going to stick with slow. You, we can call it gentle as well. <laughs> I think it's it could be slow and gentle. It could it, it could it could give you uh it could just give you real real the real feels. Um something I know but you know why I you know okay, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I love it when a film doesn't lie to me. Uh when this movie started and the credits hit and it was like the it was like a slow credit sequence of names coming in and out that lasted maybe about two minutes, maybe whatever. And I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be a slow movie." And I was like, "Cool, thank you, movie, for setting this up." Hmm. Um, another shout out to a great movie that I think is a slow movie uh, that actually got me into this industry is Escape from New York. Hmm. Escape from New York has a very similar in pacing credit sequence to First Cow. In fact, I'm going to be calling out quite a bit of similarities between First Cow <laughs> and Escape from New York. Okay. Uh, I, I kept finding them, and it was terrifying. Okay. Um, 
but I liked. I always like when a movie sets me up for for not to spoil anything for the film, but to, but gets me into the right mindset in for the experience I'm about to to embark on. Right. I think Kelly, we we had a conversation around our long day's journey into night episode about the cons- uh, the the sort of conceit of slow cinema, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know the idea being that the that the movie. Uh, can tends to focus less on narrative and more on emotion and feeling, and and it it, it lingers where other movies might hustle along. Can I pay you a compliment? Yeah, you have a great memory. Okay, I, like I, I feel like I'm a goldfish sometimes. <laughs> like we'll be talking about like I, I remember, of course, doing that film and specific points we talked about, but like I didn't remember that one. Oh, but really? I'm sure that that's a that thing we talked what, about. That was kind of the biggest thing we talked. I know, about, as far as I, I recall. Again, this is me. <laughs> Not, not I will take sleep. the compliment. Yes. Thank you very much, sir. Excellent memory. Um, so I think um, in that realm of slow cinema, you know, like the the conversation around slow cinema, I think it's that it's that uh, the the willingness of the audience to be lulled into a sense of security for what the film is trying to do, and and a willingness for the audience to abandon our sort of conceits about what is important narratively. You know, like in a narr- if this was sort of a a faster paced film, if this was uh, more of a conventional film, and dare I say it, I wonder if this is part of the language of this film. But if this was more of a masculine film, um, it may have a more a greater emphasis on uh, on um, the the mechanics of the narrative. But it doesn't, and I think it's it's sort of beautiful in that sense that it that it is paced out in a way that that feels. Um, uh, contemplative. By masculine, do you mean aggressive? If it was a more aggressive yeah, film? Yeah, ag- aggressive film, I guess, is probably uh, the way to say it. And yeah. I, 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 I hope I don't... Yeah, you know, you're right. I shouldn't use the gendered term there. Yeah, I, because I, I, I would argue... Aggressive is, there's is a, a lot of Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, and, and so when this film opens up, right, uh, the and we see the youngest Bluth daughter uh, going Ali through the woods with her, with her dog, yeah. uh, picking truffles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then finds two skeletons <laughs> in, near the river. <laughs> and what I really liked is the uh, around the, the the transitional thing between, I guess, present day and the gold rush times. Yeah. It's just a cut. It's just a cut, but the person is doing the same thing that she was doing. She was picking yeah. mushrooms. Yeah. And then the next, you see, see gloves, so you figure like, sure, she found these skulls, and then she's collecting something else. And, oh, nope, here's Cookie. Yeah. Uh, so it, yeah, so it, it kind of cuts between, and I was like, "All right." And you know, the film did a really great job, and I'm, that's a slight spoiler, I guess, but like that's the first five to ten minutes, if that. Yeah. Uh, uh, it did such a great job of setting up a tiny mystery mm-hmm. uh, that you know will come back and be important, and you kind of have an idea, maybe like half hour into the movie, but you, ne- you never know. I, you know, uh, because I hadn't watched the trailer. I, for some reason, and it may have been because of um, There Will Be Blood, for example, mm. I, I thought this was going to be a battle for the cow and that these two bodies were the two warring factions for the cow. And, and, I, and, and so when the movie, without giving away what it does, when the movie doesn't do that, I was really kind of taken aback by it. Uh, I was taken aback by, like, there is a cut in this movie, which, you know, uh, yeah. again, we'll get to in spoilers, which just kind of gently surprised me i thought this movie was going to be a bit of a comedy i Mm. thought it was going to be these two dudes roll up with this cow Mm. and they're like making biscuits and everyone's freaking out Mm. and like then they get into hijinks and like someone tries to steal the cow like that's what i thought this Mm. was and this slow open with the credits and the slow open of the bluth daughter and the slow open with the skeletons and i was like this is not the film I thought not not in a bad way but yeah. I was like I, I let me rephrase my tone this is not the film I was expecting okay. like like uh, in a happy way yeah I think maybe I was primed for that because again I've seen sure. Kelly Reichardt's work before yeah. I know what she does um but then I think you know the, there's a there's a sort of degree of purposefulness about every scene in this film as well there's a certain there's a it's weird because uh, there's a great article in The Atlantic right now uh, that uh, David Sims, uh, host of the Blank Chick podcast, another movie podcast, which uh, is fantastic, by the way, um, where he interviews Bong Joon-ho and, and uh, Kelly Reichardt. And Kelly Reichardt was on the jury at Cannes mm. that I believe had awarded uh, Bong Joon-ho. And is this this lovely thing? Because Bong Joon-ho describes 
him uh, himself as being the most jealous of Kelly Reichardt's work. Yeah. He says he says he, there's just things that she does that he will never be able to do as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, there's this moment that happens in the interview where they where they talk about the fact that essentially both of their films are kind of critiques of capitalism and critiques of how capitalism operates and the the sort of the um the winners and losers in 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 the in the sort of uh, the body of capitalism, and and you know like his film is really about the 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 underdogs in capitalism, and so is his. And you know there's this sort of there's a wonderful line um, that I think you know um, uh, King Lou says, which is um, you know like the the puzzle is where to start. Um, and this is what what happens is it becomes essentially a very quiet, intimate portrait of America. It becomes this really beautiful portrait of like how America functions and, and how how it how it formed. Yeah, like how, and like because the line that King Lou says that I think is really beautiful. He says, uh, "We arrived here before history did. History hasn't come here yet, and maybe we made it before here, before it got here." And then the thing is that 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 line ultimately gets undone. Like what he's saying is ultimately undone when. Um, you know, like a uh, the the was it the chief factor? Um, you yeah. know, like Toby Jones's character turns up and you know has wealth, you know, an enormous amount of wealth to begin with, and so his uh, his capacity for property is far different to what these two men are experiencing. You know, like they're used to foraging, they're used to taking what they want from the land, and then they're confronted with this idea that there's this thing that they need that ultimately. You know, like in any other kind of movie, these two would be the hero entrepreneurs. You know, like like the, I remember I'm thinking about um, the Michael Keaton film that came out a couple of years ago, The Founder, which is essentially about like the success and, uh, yeah. and the horror of capitalism. But you know, ultimately, he is the, the you know he is a successful man. Um, and in this film, it's a really about like this this sense of like what we think America will be for these two men. And what it actually really means is not a lot is not is not surprising in the way it exists right now, and it's it's this sort of like, in in I I can see why Reichardt and Bong Joon Ho kind of respond to each other in this way, which is that makes they, total sense. They they make like I you know again Bong Joon Ho I think does a, a sort of an aggressive take on capitalism, yeah. whereas Kelly Reichardt does sort of a gentle you know sort of loving take. But there is this one quality to this film that I thought was really just. It kind of it it's 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 not like um, we saw Portrait of a Lady on Fire um, uh, a few weeks ago, and the, I was just a a well of emotions in the final yeah. moments of that film. This was a film there where I was kind of like, you know, this is a film that ends with a huh, as opposed to like oh wow, and 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 when I the <laughs> huh the thing is like that Paul Schrader quote, which is that you know like the best movies start when you walk out of the theater. The huh kind of took you know like I was like walking out the door and I was like. Yeah, that's really sitting with me. You know, I'm thinking about this. And then the the thing that took me away is that like I realize, you know, I suddenly realized the the William Blake quote at the very beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which is that uh, a bird, a nest, a spider, a web, man, friendship. Yeah. And I was like, that's that's that that you know, the entire film is summed up in that one line. And there's a great way that friendship develops between uh, Cookie and King Lou, like the the. The cookies are working for some pelters that are kind of shitheads. Yeah, uh, and then he smuggle. He finds uh, King Lou. Are they shitheads? They just un- well, one of them is. He's like, I'm gonna find you outside the <laughs> town, and I'm gonna kick your teeth in. <laughs> yeah. Seems like seems par for the course around that time. I don't. That's the thing. I think these men went out of time. That's what King Lau is saying, right? Like, what do you mean? King Lau is saying we've arrived here before history. Oh yeah, had. yeah, yeah. You know, and, I know. And, and in another time. These men might have been successful, but they they were out of time. Sure. Yeah. Um, the so then he, you know King they find he finds King Louis. He's like naked and he because right, he killed a Russian who tried to kill him and his <laughs> brother or something. And King then Lou sounds like he gets up to a lot of antics. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a, tons of antics. Yeah. Uh, and so he smuggles them around, and then they eventually meet back in the town. First of all, mm. I want to say. I loved the art direction of this film. Hmm. I loved the shanty town. I loved the bar. Yeah. I loved the 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 what was the name of the governor person? The what the the, the, the chief factor. The chief factor. Yeah. Thank you. I loved the chief factor's house. Like this tiny little cottage that means he's like super wealthy. Yeah. Uh I loved the currency. The the half coins. And so the there was. was coins. There was half coins. There were and I oh god write us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail dot com. The Native American uh, blue currency beads. Yeah. I I don't remember yeah. what they're called. Then there was 
uh, different bones, which I believe there that are actually, and I could be wrong about this too, representative of pelts. Yeah. And then there was there was one oh and paper notes. Yeah. So like the, as they're they, they eventually <laughs> sell yeah. things in this movie and we'll get to it, but the but like as they're getting it, they have this sack of like what looks Stuff. like junk. <laughs> yeah. But it's currency. Yeah. And I just loved the idea that on the fringes, when no one quite knows what currency is or what has value yeah they don't have the gold standard just yet right exactly like, and, and like it, beaver pelts were the first export of this country yeah it's kind of amazing because you're at that formative period where like like there's a thing that's happening with me when i walk down new york city right now which is that you do the spider-man three sort of walk and finger guns oh i wish i could i wish i was that cool there's, a, was there, that there's, there's a spot sorry it's a tangent mm-hmm. there's a beautiful spotify playlist for walking through new york city called um Listen to music that makes you feel like Spider-Man from from, <laughs> from Spider-Man Three, and it's all just not from just the music from that movie, but things that do make you walk like an asshole. Right. Okay. Uh, so check that out. Okay. Sorry. Um, there, there's a thing that I uh, when I'm walking around New York City right now because obviously, again, to bring it back to coronavirus and 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 you know, because how the, could we not? Uh, the idea, you know, like the idea is that the virus is disrupting commerce, and commerce is the essential is the essential communication tool by which. New York City runs, yeah. right? Like everything is about commerce, especially I'm, strangers. I'm, I'm remembering uh, the John Singleton movie Baby Boy. There's a moment in Baby Boy where uh, he has the revelation where he's like, "Everything out here is commerce." You know, like that's what it, that's what life is is the exchange of money, and that's how we talk to each other. That's how we live our lives. And and I I I so I'm walking around New York City thinking about how you know the coronavirus is disrupting commerce. And when I was watching First Cow and thinking about First Cow and the thing you just said is like this is the ins- this is the beginning point when the language the the inherent language of people is still commerce. Like there's that beautiful scene where King Lao uh, has to like get upstream. You know he's he's on the yeah. run and he has to get upstream. Great swimmer by the way. Yeah, he's swimming good. all the damn time. I in this know, movie. and he can swim in his clothes too, which yeah. is really good. Uh, good skill to have by the way. Um, and he. And you know, like he can, he ha- is sort of transcendent in terms of his his capacity to understand language. Mm-hmm. Like he he is Chinese, but lived in London, speaks perfect English, and and also can speak Native American, and and then like understands even in the sort of mixed bag of Native American that he's speaking that the language that will get me upriver is my buttons. You know, it's like it's the and so he creates this like. I, I don't know if he knew it or he understood it, but he like exchanges a good for a service. Yeah. You know, like, and he's like, this is the language of the of the world that they live in is commerce. And the interesting thing I think is that for Figwitz, uh, th- that's not the the language that he speaks. Like, there's this sort of beautiful thing that happens in this film in terms of like the domestic partnership that's set up between sure. these two men, which is that King Lao is the entrepreneur, and Figwitz is not. He he's like an artist, you know, like he just wants to make things, and he's good at making things. But he, and he, you know, he just takes things. He doesn't really. No, I see that. Get, you know, like the the sort of language of commerce. The, what what was weird for me, and there was only one, and maybe someone, maybe you can tell me sort of this disparate thought. I thought his character was very, very well sort of like felt out throughout the entire film. I understood where he was coming from, etc. Except, and maybe it was just because I didn't quite know him yet. Mm-hmm. When he gets back from the very beginning of the film, this is light spoilers. We're probably going to get into spoilers, spoilers very, very soon. So spoiler alert from now on. Right. When he gets back to the town from the Pelters, uh, and he's already rescued King Lou, and they've separated. Yeah. Uh, the first thing he does buys is buys boots. Oh, boots. Yes, yes, yes. He buys really nice boots. Yeah, and, and everyone comments on that. And there's boots. a gentleman that goes, hey, nice boots, yeah. and then nice boots. Yeah. Direct lines from Escape from New York, <laughs> um, and uh, I'm sure Kelly Reichardt was like, "Yeah, this is." A- <laughs> Let's fight, Kelly Reichardt. Get, can we get them on the show? Uh, well, she teaches at Bard University, so this is the. Uh, well, we can't now because it's lockdown. And shit, <laughs> of course, but yeah, no. So Skype. Go- but my point is, one of the students probably listens to us. Okay, well, uh, the, the, you slide the iPad after you're done with the the Serbian film. Yeah. The Serbian film. Uh, close that before you fly to them or slide it to her, and then push our podcast. But the he buys those things, and then like everyone's watching him walk through and commenting, etc. And then he goes to a the bar, and then that's never brought up again. What do you, what what's not bar- the like, fact that he I, left the I baby just, there? No, no, no. Well, I don't care about that. I, I thought <laughs> you don't that care was about yeah. the baby. Uh, and that's a testament to the rest of the films and how interesting the other pieces are. But like, I was like, what is the purpose of showing him buying the boots and then everyone coveting the boots? Did you notice? And I, maybe I'm mistaken about this, but later on in the film, King Lao picks up a pair of boots, right? 
and he picks up the old pair of boots that that um, that Figwitz had. When is that? that? It's like later in the film. They just he just collects a pair of boots. Um, and, and I could be mistaken about this. I I too was a little bit lulled into the sort of the rhythm of this movie. But I remember seeing. Uh, either King Lao or somebody else pick up a pair of boots, and I was like, "Oh, those are the boots that he abandoned." Interesting. Um, and I and I and I and I was thinking about you know again this sense of like this character doesn't mention the fact that those are his boots. He's just like he leaves them out in the world, and somebody else collects them. You know, like he kind of walks around. You know, like, and what the first thing we see him doing is foraging for mushrooms. He just collects from yeah. the earth. You know, and. And I think there's the, to me there's that sense with him okay. that 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 he doesn't see the world as transactional like everybody else does. Fair. Uh, and then of course he dirties up the boots because doesn't want people looking at his boots. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is funny because you buy the thing and then you, you don't want the people to look at the thing. <laughs> um, I also I was like I uh, <laughs> I I'm a, I, I guess I'm I'm a hoarder. If I if we're playing games I'm a, I'm a bit of a hoarder. Um, and and like you when save he, up all the ammo for he, fights and then yeah, you end up never using it. Yeah, yeah. So when he when he buys that whiskey and the, and the and the bartender was like two of these, and I was like, oh, that's too much for one drink. Damn it, Figowitz. I, <laughs> I mean, not if you really need whiskey. Yeah. Um, I love the scene of the bar. I, I know I, I know we're going a little bit chronologically here. We don't normally do that, but there's a lot to chew out in this film. Uh, I love the scene of the bar with like the I guess a, a character that is supposed to be stupid comes in a giant man with a baby, and uh, everyone's giving him shit for no well, that one guy. Yeah, one guy. Guys. And then they he's like, "Watch the kid," and then he goes and beats <laughs> the shit out of him. And then it's like, and but then that like is just to give King Lou and Cookie the time to. Reunite. Talk. Yeah, that's literally it to give them a empty building to speak in. But I also like the other fact that King Lo, uh, King Lo, is it King Lo? It's King, King Lou. King Lou says, uh, "Don't worry about him. He'll be fine." You know, the baby. He's a baby. He's fine. And I, and I, I guess I just thought a little bit about like the different priorities in life because I was like, "Oh, is this father going to get killed out there?" You know, like during this fight. You know, I also liked uh, just by by the by, Rene Abourgeois was in the film, and I think it might be his last movie. Uh, Benson, you remember Benson? You know, he's in the movie for like one scene, right? Um, and I was like, "Is this his?" Because he passed away just last year, so I was like, "Is this his last movie for just one scene?" It's kind of I kind of dug that he was there. Um, very few women in this film. Very few women in the film. Uh, any women in the film? Actually, I mean, well, you have. Um, I can never say her name. That's why I said the youngest Bluth. Oh, Alia Shawkat. But that's only in the beginning for a little bit, and yeah. then I think the uh, the the chief factor's wife, right? Who's, who we see briefly, and also the tra- the Native American, yeah. Native American translator. Yeah. Um, and it's you know like he, he that that con- I guess ca- main character is what I'm yeah, saying. But that conversation even has that weight of of you know like the Native American. Uh, approach to like the the land, you know, like he's talking about the beavers, and they're like, you 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 know, you white people, I don't understand. You you toss away the the best part of the beaver, and you can see that the 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 chief factor is talking about it purely as an ornamental you know, yeah. thing. He's like, people wear beaver coats, or you know, they're talking about par- Parisian fashion. And he's like, these are, there's great parts that are quite delicious. Also, King Lou mm. uh, is talking about at one point selling beaver oil. It's just yeah. hard to transport, so yeah. that's why he doesn't do. It. When he's trying to come up with his master plan, which their master plan uh the first cow has been shipped yeah to this uh oregon gold rush town now there was three uh the, the husband and the calf passed in the yeah. tra- this is something i didn't know before we did a hogs in history episode on extra history yeah. i guess it's something i just never thought of uh shout out to that episode please go watch it it is a delight uh it's a one-off so it's real nice and easy and digestible uh even if you can't eat pork yeah. um but the i didn't realize that Farm animals, stock animals. First of all, cows are not native to uh, the U.S. Right. Um, but cows, horses, goats, etc., do not do well on long voyages on ships. In fact, when they get here, they can be sterile for up to a year. Right. Pigs don't give a shit. <laughs> like pigs can just survive. Um. That's a tangent, but my point is, like, I, I guess I never thought how difficult it would be to get a family of cows places. And the only reason he can is because he's wealthy, right? Like, in the way he talks about the yeah. guy, like, again, everything that the chief factor kind of discusses about 
property is in the way that of like there's even the most telling moment is when the uh, uh the 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 ship captain arrives i believe it's the ship captain and he and like the chief factor basically you know he's he's describing how he punished two uh shipmates on board uh for for mutiny or something like that and uh the chief factor sort of he he's kind of gleefully doing the math in his head and he and he comes up with this equation he says he says something along the lines of um for the sacrifice of the two men, it might be worth killing them in order to stave off the potential of further mutinous uprising. And his is like his 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 he's a calculator. He, well, he's he sees property in a very different way to the way Figowitz sees it. He reminded me also from his turns of like being sort of a little bit sweet in the beginning, like scary, but then like happy, and then turning into a monster with very specific ideologies. Mm-hmm. To the president of the United States in Escape from New York, there was like there <laughs> Not was a the president few... of the United States right now. No, well, you know, I you know, uh, it, it doesn't matter. My point being, uh, there was a lot of similarities in tone in some of the things that he said to some of the. I don't know. It's like the whole thing about like, oh, you're not punishing this thing, this person, this whatever enough. Yeah. Well, no, he that might have been L.A. Escape from L.A., yeah. but still, I'm going to roll it into one. He, he's doing the he's doing the math of property and. And he sees, he views the world in a very much, uh, I own this and therefore, you know, like nothing else matters kind of thing. And, you know, like when Figowitz kind of is milking the cow. Figowitz is Cookie, too. So I, we keep calling them different because yeah. Figowitz, Figowitz was a cook, but his yeah. nickname was Cookie. Yeah. Um, when he's milking the cow, he kind of. He he's like, what's up? He talks to the cow. He kind, of like, he, he kind of, he's, he seems appreciative that the cow has given him milk. And like later they're on... They're stealing the milk from the cow because the, the rich guy has the cow. And but the rich guy is unaware, entirely unaware that he's just like, oh, I don't know why this cow is not producing... There's a great line from King Lou. Yeah. And he's like, uh, he is he... We, let's hope he's the kind of rich that thinks he's too powerful to be stolen from or something yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, 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 it's amazing the way... Again, this, this is a movie that like all of that... All of the stuff we're talking about in terms of the movie's relationship to capitalism, its relationship to the idea of property and not property. In in Meek's Cutoff, there's a similar thing that happens uh, without spoiling too much of Meek's Cutoff. But Meek's Cutoff is, a, is basically a film about the uh, 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 pioneers going on the Oregon Trail sure. and then running out of water and having to make a decision about like who where do they go. And yeah. um, um, I think it's Bruce Greenwald plays Meek, and he's it's one of his best performances I think I've ever seen him do. But a, a Native American person uh, joins the group and they capture him. Mm. And and then they run out of water and they, they think that the Native American person will lead them to water. And and one of the women played by uh, Michelle Williams uh, fixes his shoe or his button or something like this or fixes something for him. And she says, I want him to owe me a favor. But the Native American just doesn't see the world like that at yeah. all. You know, and it's this, it's this <laughs> I, I, you know, like I think it's this idea that, that, um, that we have, you know, in uh, in um, Terrence Malick's film *Tree of Life*, there's uh, a thing when um, uh, is it Captain John Smith is is the guy who oh who, god who, it's been po- so long Pocahontas I, I can't remember oh yeah uh, John Smith is the Pocahontas yeah, yeah yeah and Colin Farrell's character he's talking about the 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 difference in the Native Americans' approach to prop he says they have no sense of property they have no sense of belonging or owning uh, everything is just there. And and it's it's this different uh, sort of approach, and and I think what this film is getting at, you know, like it, this this is not a war of capitalism versus um, versus the, the the downtrodden of capitalism. This is sort of a uh, a rumination on what nature, w- the differences of na- of man's nature, you know, and like ultimately what kills these two men. Is their friendship sure? You know, like that—that that is the sort of like that—that's the moment that I was really struck by is this idea that that King Lao lies down beside him and says, "Don't worry, I've, I, I'll look out for you." And it was like the, every the, the 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 tension of that last third is that King Lao has every opportunity to run away to San Francisco, start his hotel. He doesn't need Cookie anymore, you know. Like and and the language of the chief factor would be the language of capitalism, which is that, no, you do not, you know, like, he's expendable. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is something he directly says. But King Lao lies down next to him, and that is the story that Alia Shawkat has found, is that these two men, you know, like the, the, the bones of America, at some point, 
had this potential for to be built on friendship. I also one of the key things too, sort of on that, if we're looking at the real like you know everything is just there versus I own this thing. Like yeah. they keep the cow in like a field in a lightly <laughs> wooded area, and that's how they can just go up to the cow and get the milk. I, I feel like we actually haven't even said this yet. They get they're stealing milk so that they can make cakes and sell oily them. cakes. Oily cakes. <laughs> I gotta say, when he puts honey on it and then oh, it looks great. Cinnamon, I was like, oh man, uh, cookie. Oh, yeah, it looks good. Um, what so, was the cake that he made for the chief factor? Oh, cow felt tea? No, quefalt tea. Yeah, I don't know. It had blueberries in it. Yeah, it's a blueberry pancake. Yeah, it's a blueberry pancake. The then at one point after they're on the run, after they get caught and they're hunting them down. Uh, the cow is fenced in. You're entirely fenced in, yeah. Like, uh, and I just thought that was like a real like. Ugh. It's a sense, you know, like property has been assigned, and and you know, like it is the transgression has been made, and therefore the property will be unassigned. And it's, it's, you know, like look, we, you and I, the thing about this is that you and I live in the world of capitalism. We, 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 we speak the language of capitalism. We Money. exchange, yeah, we we exchange uh, goods for services, goods for services, um, and and so for us. The the paradigm of what Cookie's life could or way of life could be doesn't really make sense to us. But that's I think what's kind of beautiful about the the conceit of this film is that what if it what if it did? You know, like what if what if uh, what if we lived in that world, you know, in that society where where that was the case? I, I don't know. All right, I, you I, fucking hippie. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm I. Part of me daydreams of like living in a hippie commune and milking cows and making oily cakes and like and you know sleeping with my shoes off, running your know. graphic design company. I, yeah, oh yeah, running my graphic design <laughs> company. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I speak the language of capitalism. Yeah. I know that. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, you know, because I think there's a thing with Kelly Reichardt as well. So the 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 novel that this is based upon is a much bigger novel than this. Uh, really? Yeah, mu- like they go to China together and they get imprisoned for a while. And King Lao is actually wow. a, um, and King Lao is actually a composite of two different characters. And when Cookie's in China, he learns Mandarin and learns to cook Chinese food. And it's a real, it's a real brotherhood of the traveling pants situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they come back, and then they have the, and then they have this thing. And also, there's a bigger narrative around uh, the Alia Shawcat character because they are in a. Hip, they're in a commune or something, and they're making a, a film of something or something like that, and they find the bones. Wow! And it's like so. It's this like big multi-stranded narrative. But Kelly Reichardt, you I know, like this little. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And I think she was talking for a long time about how um, she wasn't sure how to make that big movie. And she she even says, I you know, like I, I listened to an interview with her on the the indie filmmakers toolkit where they talked about uh, where she talked about the fact that you know. When after she made Meek's Cutoff, which is the sort of Oregon Trail movie, yeah. uh, she wasn't sure that she would ever get a chance to make a movie again, um, you know, because she makes these sort of contemplative, sure, uh, narratively unfulfilling, you know, occasionally un- uh, na- directly narratively unfulfilling films, you know, like you, there's no like hero's journey or anything to this whole thing, um, and and I mean, you know. In the broader sense, of course there is, but it's not like, you know, we're, we're not watching Escape from L.A. We're not watching, you know what I mean? And we'd watch New York. <laughs> yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and I think, you know, like, there's this thing where she's, like, stripping the movie down to its barest essence and finding this, like, one idea in it and making for it as, like, affordably as possible. It's funny, she, you know, she's a te- she, she teaches film at Bard University and she talks about, I just have to have a day job, you know, where I collect health insurance. I was like, this is like one of America's great female filmmakers, one of America's great filmmakers. Sure. And, and, you know, like she's holding down a day job, you know, like to, to try and finance her life. It's kind of, you know, like this sort of art versus commerce kind of thing is kind of really interesting when you think about where she's coming from as a person. Um, And, you know, like what this film is ultimately exploring in that idea, you know, like, like that capitalism is the language which we speak. There's a lot in this film that, uh, for, for, for as minimal of a bit of time that we are with Cookie and King Lou, mm-hmm. I feel like I got to know them very, very well. Mm. And I got and to fall in love with them. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed spending time with them. Um, I, you know what's interesting though? Like, I didn't feel like when it became apparent. That the skeletons that were originally found were definitely them. Right. I didn't feel bad or sad about it. Mm-hmm. I just felt like it was like 
the natural conclusion of a good thing. Hmm. I don't know. And maybe it's and 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 to be honest, and we don't know what happened to King Lou. We know he died there, at least it's implied. Yeah, we saw Um, we saw a gunman following them. Yeah. Um, so possibly that's what happened. Maybe he just stayed with them. Like I I don't know. I mean, that doesn't seem like logical, but like I that's kind of what I that's the emotional hit I took with it. Like I think I I I I I recall, and I could be mistaken mm -hmm. about this, that we did see a cracked skull. So, oh, maybe. So I presumed that he was killed. Oh, I but I took the cracked skull as the concussion that he got when he fell. Remember, it he was wouldn't crack his skull. Oh, uh, yeah, would that's what a concussion is. It's not. Well, not no, always. no, that's a fracture. Like I, the the skull was broken. I thought he was pretty fucked up. Anyway, no. um, at, at any rate, the way I took it was, I, I'm I'm curious by this thing you just said, which was the uh, the end of a good thing. What what did you mean by that? So, oh gosh. I just finished watching the new series on not new anymore uh, on HBO Watchmen. I okay. just finished. Oh, okay. It. No spoilers Con- to Watchmen. Congratulations. Thank you. It was fucking great. Yeah, it is very good. Uh, but there's a thing where a character says this to a person. They're talking about relationships, mm-hmm. and uh, they're debating, you know, getting into a relationship or whatever. I'm going to try to be as vague as possible. Yeah. And back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Then one character says, "Well, don't all relationships end in tragedy?" Right. And then the other character's like, oh, shit. Because it's true. Mm-hmm. One way or another, every relationship... That, I'm sorry to get sad again, but, mm-hmm. but maybe it's not sad. Every relationship that we have as human beings will end in tragedy, one way or the other. Because... Because. <laughs> um, and, the, you know, this was sort of their ending and their tragedy, but they were together. And to be honest, I can't think of a better way to end things than with someone who's important to you next to you. Right, right. Um I think in the in the metaphorical sense hmm it, it, I guess what's what what the question was sort of coming up against here is like how did the ending make you feel? And And this is why I said when you said like oh it's a real down we kind of talked in the beginning and I was like I thought it was kind of hopeful. Yeah, I I That's I, why I felt it was kind of hopeful. I was like these are two characters that care about each other a lot and mm. and became friends kind of against some odds even but but they were like the perfect friend for one another yeah. and they fit into each other's lives and they had this adventure the adventure or, or business or however you want to do it and yeah they got a they got a raw deal at the end um but for whatever reason I didn't feel bad I felt like yeah, I, I I I would agree with that feeling the the when the, when the, the film cuts to black I it felt. Yeah, I'm gonna say it. It's weird, hopeful, because <laughs> I, I, yeah, the, the reasoning the reasoning behind that I think is these characters had a had a they they died right, yeah. and that's not terribly hopeful. Mm-hmm. But why they died, especially yeah. King Lou, that was very hopeful to me. I'm gonna bring this back to the thing I talked about at the beginning about in Contagion, the spirit of the handshake. Sure. Well, look is, at you. Look at you just going for the yeah. fucking beautiful 360 segue. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think the, <laughs> no scope. The, this film, uh, I mean that that moment, you know, when when King Lao lies next to him, King Lu, uh, <laughs> Kung Lao. Kind of, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna mess it up. Um, and he says, "Don't worry, I've got you." Is this like the spirit of? I'm I'm phrasing it for me. The I like spirit, it. The spirit of the handshake, sure. which is the the spirit of that I'm not your enemy, and not only that, we will go forward together. Mm-hmm. And you know, like ultimately, it does end in tragedy, but it's a bit of sweet tragedy that they they were together. And it, like the 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 sort of delight, you know, like you were talking about the the sort of. Um, the comedy of this film to me was like the sort of beautiful domestic partnership that these two mm-hmm. form. And like, it could be, uh, it could be intimate. It could be, you know, an actual relationship, but regardless, there was a sort of like, as soon as, um, yeah, that didn't it, really matter. It didn't matter. And as soon as cookie goes into the house, you know, like he immediately starts sweeping the floor and, and as <laughs> King Lao is chopping wood, he walks outside and he comes back and he puts some flowers in there. And King Lao really appreciates that. He like brightened the place up. <laughs> and it's this art, and pragmatism, you know, like kind of side by side, and yeah. it was like in per- in in perfect nat- natural harmony, yeah. you know, like n- nature, you know, in this film is these two people being together and sticking together. And if all relationships end in tragedy, mm-hmm. I can't think of a 
better one than hmm. sort of. I can't think of a bit of tragedy. Than well, I mean, kind of. Yeah. Then, then <laughs> I these think two that extremes. should be the that if we're going to wrap it up soon, I think that should be your poster quote. I can't sure. think of. I can't think of a bit of tragedy than first cow. I mean, that's a little bit misleading. <laughs> people are going to not. I don't know. You know what? Yeah. You know what I was sad about? What? We never learned the cow's name. We didn't learn the cows. Did we learn the cows? No. We learned what breed it was. It was like a royal bovine. It was a royal cow. It was a royal cow. Um, a, and a beautiful cow. The fun story, fun side story. So, Wendy and Lucy, the film that Kelly Reichardt had made uh, a few years ago with Michelle Williams, uh, is, is about a woman traveling with her dog. And, uh, you know, Lucy is the dog. And um, Kelly Reichardt, when she goes to make a film, she says she travels, or she always travels to the location and usually spends a few days there. And she used to do it with her dog, Lucy, who recently passed away. Uh. Uh, but the, the cow uh, has, has since given birth to a, uh, given birth to a calf, mm. and they've named the calf Lucy. Oh, and, and, nice. the, and the calf, uh, it, like, that is a beautiful cow. Like, you, like cows, like, I, know, I, I am Indian. Uh, I'm not Hindu, but I understand why the Hindus worship the cow. They're beautiful. They're pretty cool. They're again. pretty beautiful. I feel guilty when I eat a steak now, but but I still you know I mean you know like, I feel I, guilty when I eat octopus. Really, I ate octopus the other day and I still feel bad about it. Is it the fact that it's mostly brain? Like it's, the, it's, it's mostly the second most intelligent, possibly yeah. more intelligent than human beings, just in a different way. Yeah, yeah, and it feels weird. Pigs are super intelligent too. It's why I, uh, yeah. I outside of bacon, I don't uh, <laughs> eat pork. The super pig Okja was kind of your uh... well. Okja <laughs> is a cartoon, yeah. but like pigs, like actual pigs, mm-hmm. are really smart. My aunt who has a few issues but she used to, one of the great things that she did was she turned her home into an animal sanctuary have i told you this no uh, like a full blown like a house but like with if we're coming to the end of the will she might have the last cow thir- yeah oh she would 100% <laughs> have the last cow but like 30 cats 20 dogs and like every kind of possible animal she actually made a pen in the back for a bull so she's got a real Noah's Ark kind of... She had a pig. She had a couple different pigs, but a potbelly pig named Digby. <laughs> Digby, I knew it from a, a, a little piglet yeah. to literally this tall, like right. huge pig. I rode Digby. Yeah. Digby was smart and was caring and protected me from the goats. There were goats in the laundry room, she hear, and w- the goats would always kind of try to get at me, and Digby would, like, yeah, stop I, them. I hear goats are assholes. Uh, <laughs> so, like, pigs are super smart. Um, uh, how did we get there? What uh, happened? Well, no, Where, here, I blacked just, out for a second. A little fun story is that, uh, you know, because I'm a meat eater, my wife isn't, and my son isn't, and my son doesn't want me to eat meat anymore. Like, he just, he just says, you shouldn't eat meat. Animals. Has he ever had meat? No, he's never had meat. Oh, so that's, <laughs> that's why he's saying that. No, but he's saying, he, and, and he's, saying, he's saying it from the most logical point of view. 100%. His logical point of view is animals are nice. But he hasn't had that lizard brain <laughs> kick of when a piece of beef hits your tongue. <laughs> yeah, and he, he probably never will. And he's, and he's like. Don't say it, because that like, means it's not going to happen. He's like, animals are nice, and we shouldn't eat them. And I'm like. Every time, like I like, I'm contemplating, you know, picking up some chicken or something like that. I'm like, yeah, I just have in the back of my head, animals are nice and we shouldn't eat them. It's not nice to eat them. And uh, <sighs> as if we needed more <laughs> things to feel guilty about. He's well, because my wife's a scientist. He's also kind of like he's been learning about the way viruses get transmitted from animals to humans. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you shouldn't eat meat because that's the way viruses get get transmitted. I'm like. <laughs> I'm getting real guilt trips from my kid is what I'm saying here. <laughs> so you're going to order Bear Burger or something when you get home? Or what are you going to do? I do sneak meat in. Like, <laughs> like sneak meat. Hashtag I, sneak meat. I, I, like, I, I will occasionally eat it in the corner of the house like Gollum. <laughs> you know, like I'll be in the corner. <laughs> I'll eat it and I'll try and eat it really quickly. Like, and then just like pretend. You slurp it your meat? Yeah, and pretend it wasn't there. <laughs> you're a fucking monster. I am a monster. You can, I, Shahir, I'm going to give you a safe meat eating space. You can come here. To eat meat? Just to eat meat. Meat, but then you have to get the fuck out. Right, true. Well, yeah, right now. Um, <laughs> First no, cow. Delightful. 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 Not and and not in me, I, I will stress for me personally, Reichardt's film as beautiful. I, I think as wondrous and beautiful are never strike me in the moment. They always strike me in after the moment. Sure. And that's a sort of an interesting experience. Yeah. Have. But it is a beautiful movie. Also, uh, prequel to Escape from New York confirmed. Um, <laughs> also, should do the sequel, Last Cow. Oh man! First and last. What, what about well then? We, if we want to do the cow. trilogy, what if we did the before trilogy, but the cow trilogy? If it was the the first, first cow, cow, a bunch of cows, the last cow. <laughs> yeah. Don't have the, a cow. Oh, the herd. 
the first cow. The, the no, the, yeah, the, the trilogy should be called the herd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, starring Amber Heard. Listen, Kelly Reichardt or any of her students at Bard University, reach out to us. We got a lot of pitches here. We can. We uh, do. We're we, good. We're really good at this. This uh, has been <laughs> the only podcast about the film First Cow. Shakir. Ah, uh, why didn't you say the only movie? Po- the, the only podcast, only podcast about, about the movies. <laughs> We did it now. Yeah, Are you yeah, happy? Yeah, I am happy. Uh, <laughs> that okay, actually good. was a delight. Small joys. <laughs> um, Shahir, when you are not correcting the enunciation of the name of our show to sound more like a barnyard animal, where can folks find you? You can find me rolling like a pig in my website, <laughs> www.shahirdad.com. Matt, when you are uh, sneak meeting, meat sneaking, where can people find you? Uh, I never meet sneak. <laughs> I, I'm I'm out. I'm I'm loud and proud about meats. Where would you be loud and proud about meats? Uh, that'd be my website. Uh, that'd be m a t t h e w k r o l dot com for my life and works. Also Skeletor the number four p r e z on Instagram or p s n or Emperor M S K on Twitter. Please follow me there and say hello. Um, Next week we'll probably I, I think at we'll this probably do a streaming movie. We'll probably do a streaming movie. So please, you know, I know what I'd like to do? Well, I don't know, no, no. I'm not going to say because I don't really want to do it. Well, uh, I was just going to say, uh, <laughs> please reach out to us if you have streaming movie yeah. suggestions. Um, I know Baby Baby Dread. Baby What's Dread. Baby Dread want us to do? Ba- I know Baby Dread really wants us to do Tigers Are Not Afraid, uh, which is streaming on Shutter right now. Uh, I really do want to see the film. I'm not sure if we're going to get to a review of it. Um, but, uh, th- you know, again, thanks to thanks to Jonathan Blade for really, really reiterating to recommend uh, Nighting Down. I'm, I'm really grateful that he did. So if you have, like, recommendations like that, I, like, I'm just thinking here, I know Laura uh, for a long time had been telling us to see Carol, the Todd Haynes film, which yep. is available on Netflix. Yep. Maybe we'll do that. There's lots to catch up on. You There's know, so much to catch up Scooby-Doo on. Scooby-Doo is available on IMDb. TV. IMDb TV. Also, the new Scooby-Doo movie is coming out. I'm kind of like, I wonder if my son would enjoy Scooby-Doo. I do I, Like, I saw the the little, Zoinks, I saw the little stand, and I was like, that's really cool, Scoobs. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cool. I oh, think he's like a do... puppy, though, in it now, isn't he? Yeah, he's a little puppy, which is really cute, Scoobs. That's a, I mean, it's a, it's, it's it's a, a 40% choice. shaggy. It's a choice. <laughs> Say it, like Zoink Scoob. Like Zoink Scoob. Yeah, a little, can you do a little deeper? Like no, yeah, no, that's yeah. too deep. Like zoink scoop. That's yeah, all right. Yeah, no, 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 it's, it gets that's all good. Of, it's all over the place. Uh, so watch the original films with uh, Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar. That's how they fell in love. Mm. They're not bad. Um, okay, they that break, took a did twist. They divorce? They no, divorce? They're, they're fine. Are they? They got like nine kids. Write us in with the gossip. It, with each generation, there's a chosen one, one couple that will stay together to fight the vampires, the demons, and the forces of darkness. God, coronavirus! Don't don't you dare take that. Don't you dare take hey. Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah I will Michelle throw Gale. rocks into the air. Tom like, Hanks, wildly. I hope you're okay. <laughs> Everybody, I hope you're okay. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Keep safe.